Uh, this is Pastor Matt Harmless, and this is the sermon audio from January the 31st, 2021, with a special speaker this week, uh, my friend Paul Fuller. Father, we long for that day and are so thankful, though, for this t- day that we can every Sunday gather with your people to, to declare Jesus Christ as King, that the Father loves us, that we need you so desperately because we are weak and timid people. So God, would you help us, help me, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This this message is really for me this morning. I need to hear this. you guys can just be along for the ride. Maybe God will bless you through it too. But I know the content of this is was on my heart. I needed to hear it this week really bad. So, you know, as crazy as it is in this, these days to hear God tells us to be strong and courageous. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm not thinking like a Christian, that's really hard to not be fearful. I'm not a strong and courageous person naturally. Um, but that's what God tells us to do. And God, thankfully, the Lord knows about all of our fears. He knows that we are weak and fearful people at times, even as guys who act like we're not afraid. <laughs> but there is grace that he gives us to be strong and courageous. And that's what we're going to look at today in Joshua chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to have all the words up here, but if you're turning to it, Joshua chapter 1, it's the sixth book of the Bible, back in the Old Testament. But let's read this together. Joshua chapter 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, that's a river, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be very careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may go, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If I could just sum up that passage, 
This is what the point of that whole passage is. Taking hold of God's promises requires strength and courage in spite of your fears. Okay? That's what I think that passage teaches, but let me unpack that. Let me explain what I mean in those different parts of that sentence, and we'll just break it down into two sections. Okay? The passage, first the charge, and then we'll get into the command. The charge. Look again with me at verse 2. If I can keep up here. The charge that Joshua, God gives to Joshua is be strong and courageous. He says, go take this land. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan and all his people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now, that charge to Joshua is a really big deal. And it may not seem like a really big deal to us. We're just reading. He says to Joshua, go do this. Moses is dead. Now it's your turn. It's not that simple. It's really a big deal for God to tell Joshua to go take this promised land for three reasons. First of all, this is all about God's promise to Abraham. Way back in Genesis, Genesis 17, he told Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. And the land he lists is just like you see in this whole list of right here of places. And at this point in the history of Israel, they have not received that land. But God made a promise. And if God makes a promise, he better keep it, right? Because if he doesn't keep that promise, well, why should we trust that God? So it's a really big deal because God's saying to Joshua, I'm going to keep my promise. Go and take a hold of that promise. Okay. Second, it's a big deal because this is about God's mission. Did you know that God has a mission? It's his glory for him to look the greatest. And the way he accomplishes that mission is by creating people. People are made in his image and he tells them to go spread out and reflect that image so that he look that people's uh, look like Jesus so that his glory spreads out across the earth. That's the second reason this is a big deal because he tells them my mission of getting my glory spread across this land where you are, Joshua, is on the line. Right? So if God's glory is contingent on Joshua going to the land, that's a big deal. God is going to be glorious or he won't be. The third reason that it's a big deal is because Moses has died. And you may think, that, well, that, okay, so Moses, a dude died, a leader. Well, Moses had really big shoes to fill. Really big shoes to fill. Multiple times, God was going to destroy Israel. And Moses stood in the gap and said, God, don't do that. Please don't do that. Multiple times he had done that. He was Israel's mediator. He stood between God and Israel. Moses did. And he was the only one at that time in direct communication with God. God talked to Moses like he was his friend. Didn't talk to the rest of Israel like that. And Moses had given this mantle of leadership to Joshua. And Israel had been with Moses for at least 40 years. And had respected him, seen him as their leader, their only lifeline to God. And now he's dead. Can you imagine that level of devastation in Israel's hearts? They would have been just like, what are we going to do? We got this young punk here who's going to lead us. He was an assistant. <laughs> and, and that's got to be very fearful 
for just for Israel, but also for Joshua. So this charge that God gives to Joshua to take hold of the promised land is about taking hold of God's promises, but doing that in a very fear-inducing circumstance. This is not just, okay, let's go do this, guys. It's terrifying. I think Joshua must have felt tremendous fear. He was telling him to take hold of God's promises, but everything from a human perspective seemed to be against him. But this is why I think God gives Joshua the command. What command? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He says it three times in our passage. Did you catch it? You're probably like, I think I've heard that before. Three times he repeats it. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. But here's the thing. Josh, God knew that Joshua would be afraid. Like at the end of verse 9, do I have that up on this next one? No. At the end of verse 9, after he says be strong and courageous, he says, do not be afraid or dismayed. So in other words, God tells him, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. In other words, God knows. He knows we're going to be afraid when he tells us to do really hard stuff. He really does. And you have to ask, well, what, what, what would there, besides those really big shoes of Moses to fill, what else would make Joshua afraid? You've got to understand, this land that Joshua's about to go in was a land filled with real giants, people like eight and nine feet tall. Seriously. And they were also, it was rampant, deviant sexuality filling out the land, and they were very violent people. They would sacrifice their children. It was an awful place. And God's telling Joshua, go on in there and live there. What? That's like, no, I don't want to do that. That would be terrifying. But yet God, Joshua knew that God had promised them this. And yet God also recognized, I know you're going to be afraid. I know you will be. Fear is a very real part of our lives. It's, it's, it's a part of our lives that comes from the curse. Right? It's not the way it should have been in the beginning when God made Adam. But from that point of sin in the garden, we've been afraid. We've been afraid for different things. I know I've been afraid. Um, we're afraid of where this country's going. Right? We're afraid, some of us are afraid of whether we'll have a job tomorrow. <laughs> right? It, it's a fearful thing. We're afraid of whether I'm going to fail. I'm saying I and we because this I'm speaking for myself. I'm afraid of whether I'm going to fail in raising my children. Right? We're afraid of sending our kids out to the wolves. Heck, we're afraid of going out to the wolves. Right? We're afraid of speaking to the neighbors. Um, maybe, maybe you're like, I'm not afraid. Well, I, I think you're not being honest with yourself because we're, we're fearful people. Um, and you could just ask, well, last time you had an opportunity to speak about Christ, did you do it? And if you probably say, no, I, I didn't, I'll ask you why. And you say, well, I was afraid. <laughs> right? God knew that Joshua would be afraid. So we can put ourselves in Joshua's shoes and know, well, this, realize the book of Joshua was written almost, probably a little over 4,000 years ago. That's an ancient book. And yet it's written to people like us that are fearful people. And yet God tells him three times, be strong and courageous. So what does it mean to be strong what does it mean to be courageous? First of all, I think strength. If someone tells you to be strong, God tells you to be strong, it is standing firm. 
in the truth without wavering. It's standing firm in God, not wavering. That's what God's telling us to do. Be strong means don't move. Stay put. Second, be courageous. Courage is acting. It's acting in spite of your fears. Why? Because you know the battle is worth fighting. When God tells Joshua to go do this, remember I said it's connected with God's glory. That means God's telling Joshua, go because I am worth it. God is saying to Joshua that he, God, is worth this journey that he's about to go on. One man said that it would be better to perish fighting for God than to quail before his enemies. He's so great, he is worth this task. Strength and courage talk. They say, move, act, speak, even though you know it's hard. Even though you know you may be hurt. Even though you know you may be attacked and accused. Even though you know it may take your very life. Strength and courage say, go fight that battle because the cause of Christ is on the line. Now, that's simple enough for me to preach. It's a lot harder to do. It's one thing for the coach to give this awesome locker room speech but it's a whole other matter to get out on the field and face your opponent, right? Go team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, we get out there on the field and my knees start shaking. So there has to be some kind of power source in order for you to be strong and courageous. And God knows that. He doesn't just tell you, go be strong. It's like maybe you suffer with fear. God's not just telling you, stop being afraid. That ain't going to work as counseling. Just stop it. He knows you've got to have fuel to, to support, to drive that strength and courage. And the rest of this text is going to show us where strength and courage come from. So God tells Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. But then he tells us in the same text, where in the world is that strength and courage going to come from? The first one we see is that strength and courage comes from the certainty of God's promises. The certainty of God's promises. Strength and courage come from knowing that God himself has made promises that he will certainly keep. Whenever God tells you to do something, he always gives you the resources to do that. He tells us as husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And maybe your spouse, husband or wife, is not a lovely person that's able to be loved. It's easy to love, I mean. But God gives you the strength. He gives you the grace to do it. He will always give you the power. And in this passage, we have the perfect example. Multiple promises where he gives us that build strength and courage. So let's look at three different promises in this passage. First, you'll see the promise of blessing. The promise of blessing. If you look at verse 3 and 6, he says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. To inherit something is to receive something now that somebody's giving to you. It's a blessing. God's saying, be strong and courageous because he's got a promised inheritance, a blessing to give to Joshua and Israel. 
But notice that he swore on. God swore. He made an oath to Abraham to give them this. That's why there's a certainty to this promise, because it's based on God's character himself. If God swears on something, my goodness, he has to do it. Think about this. When God swears, he doesn't put his hand on the Bible. We put our hands on the Bible because that's God's word. You're like saying to God, I swear by God, I'm going to do this. If God swears, what's he going to swear by? It says he swears by himself. Right? He has to, otherwise he's not a trustworthy God. And we know this from the New Testament because it says in Hebrews 6.13, part of 13 through 18, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself or on himself. For people swear by something greater than themselves and in all their disputes an oath is final for the confirmation. In other words, they swear on the Bible or something like that, right? So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, man, oh man, that means these promises are going to be true. Every promise you hear today, it's got to be true because it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Be strong and courageous to take hold of the hope set before you because God has sworn to uphold his promise and bring us home to Zion where we will feast and rest with him forever. Right? There's another promise we see in this passage. I want you to see that the strength and courage come from the promise of victory. The promise of victory. Look at verse 5. The first part says, God says to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Wherever Joshua went forward to take the land, in obedience to God's commands, God promised him victory. He says, if you go do it, you're going to have victory, he says. And God, what God wanted to be accomplished would most certainly be done. Now, here's the thing. God promises you and I victory as well. He does. He promises us a victory to resist. If you look at Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. This is going to sound like the book of Joshua we're reading. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the devil, the schemes of the devil. We are able to stand, my friends, against the devil's forces, not because we've got really strong muscles, of faith that we have in and of ourselves, but because of the grace that God gives us to stand. It's because God has loosed the chains of sin and you can say, no, I'm not going to do that. You have power through Christ. You have the ability to have victory. That's the certain promise of victory that God gives. You see how these promises really encourage us. They fuel That ability to be, yes, I can be strong and courageous. Because when I know these things are true, yeah, I can do that. I can stand firm. I can act. So there's a third promise I want you to see. The promise of security. The last half of verse 5. The promise of security. He says at the end of verse 5, I will not leave you or forsake you. 
He's not saying just that I won't leave you. To forsake you means to reject you. A lot of us in this room know what rejection feels like. Maybe you've been rejected by your family. Maybe you've been rejected by a spouse. Maybe you've been rejected by friends. We know what rejection feels like, and it hurts. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? God says to Joshua, I ain't going to do that. I will never leave you, and I will not reject you. You are mine. And we can believe it. I said there's a certainty in these promises because when God says something, I said his character's on the line. Do you want to, if this if he doesn't keep his promises, then he's not trustworthy, right? And we know that he is because he kept these promises to Israel and he kept the promise of sending a Messiah, Jesus. So we know that any other promises that are yet fulfilled will happen because if he brought his Savior, his son, Jesus, then everything else has got to happen. It has to. So, but these are, these are promises he gave to Joshua 4,000 years ago. Is this a promise that we get? Absolutely it is. Let me just give you a couple of other ones. 2 Peter 1.3 says, God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Everything. In Philippians 1.6, Charity reminded us, Sauter and I have this on Sunday, or the other night, and I am sure of this. I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion the day of Jesus Christ. Certainties of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. So therefore, we can be strong. We can be courageous to lie, face what lies ahead. And what lies ahead can be scary. I think it is scary. It's confusing. It's tempting for us to fear. I mean, I've felt this fear. I have felt it in leading my family. I felt it in, in the church that I pastored in Minnesota with alongside my brothers in ministry. It was scary at times. There's so many times that I'm in that and don't know what I'm doing. And I like I have no idea, God, what we're going to do next. I, we understand if you're a parent, that weight of responsibility that comes when you have that first child. And you realize, man, I've been a screw up and now I'm going to got a kid here too. Right? How fearful is that moment? I remember that when I had my first child. In fact, I remember that. When I asked my wife to marry me at that time, I'm like, great, I get to stand before God and answer now for someone else. And then now I had a child too. My goodness, it is, it is hard. But the promises of God are true in Christ. And I can remember that these promises are for me. They are for me. And when I do that, that's when my fears subside. When I remember there's blessing, there's victory, there's security in Christ. He's got me. Isn't that right, Kathy? <laughs> Amen. Man, oh man. So yes, yeah, strength and courage come from the promises of God. But there's more in this passage because Joshua needed something to be able to have wisdom to go forward into the land. He's leading two million people. I think Joshua in this text is about in his 40s. That would be like God saying to Matt, go lead two million people into this land of, right? He'd be running away. Oh, my goodness. So he needs not just the, the strength of those promises, but he needs like, I got to have some clue about what I'm doing, which is why we see that strength and courage comes from the centrality of God's precepts. 
the centrality of God's precepts. Look at verses 7 and 8 with me. So this is in the middle of the text. There's nine verses. Okay. Seven and eight are like kind of sandwiched in the thick of the text. The verse numbers don't add up in terms of even amount, but this is right in the center of the text. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will have make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now, when you see the book of the law there, all of the Bible that Joshua had was the first five books was what Moses wrote. So when you see this, you need to see the Bible, the God's word shall not depart from your mouth is what Joshua's telling, God's telling Joshua. And here's what's interesting in this passage. Strength and courage have a direct connection to how much you are in the Bible. Strength and courage have a direct connection to how much you're in the Bible. Like, how are you going to know what the promises are? If you're not reading where the promises are found. But how are you going to know wisdom? Practical life wisdom like how to handle your finances. Unless you're where the source of truth is. God's word. He says in that section three times a reference to to God's word. And it's I call it precepts because it just fits with my P's and the alliteration there. But. God's word is mentioned three times, and it's in the center of all of this. So that's why I say there's a centrality to God's precepts. The words of God to Israel via Moses had to be central to their lives. Okay? God's word must be both central and vital to our lives. Because without it, we will fail. We will not have success and prosper. We have to have that. And what's interesting, he gives us two directions in this. First of all, he's saying in verse 7, do what it says. Right? We can read it. But like Pastor Matt said last week, you can talk all you want about repenting unless you're doing what it says. It's just mouth. It's just talk, 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 talk. Right? Do what it says. He says to Joshua, do according to all that the law says. And then he says, don't depart to the left or the right. It's kind of a picture of walking on a trail that's kind of precipitous on the edge. Like, oh, it's going to be scary. Stay right in the center. It's safe right there where God's word is. Joshua, in thinking about God's word, was not free to improvise on it. And neither are we. The second command he gives in there is meditate. On what it says. Verse 8, he says, meditate on it day and night. He says, not to let it depart out of your mouth. The way people in that culture meditated was by talking about it. They would actually read it out loud and repeat it out loud over and over. And that's what meditation is it's chewing on it, thinking about it, turning it around, looking at it from every angle. That's what meditation is. It's not just reading your Bible and put it away. Okay, I did that. It's like, yes, I got to read it. And I need to think about it. I need to chew on it a little bit. It says to meditate on it day and night. Day and night, God said, Scripture should be on Joshua's mind. And day and night, God's word should be on our minds. 
guiding us, informing us, instructing us, encouraging us, convicting us, helping us. So how does obeying and meditating on God's word, how does that relate to the command of be strong and courageous? When you see God's word as essential to your life, then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, what kind of success and prosperity is he talking about in that passage? I'll tell you this. It's not a Joel Osteen kind of prosperity. Okay? It's not financial. And I'll get this right out of the text. He's telling Joshua to go do something. And he says, if you do what I say, you'll be successful at what I tell you to do. All right? Biblical success is about being able to do what God told you to do. So it has nothing. He may bless you with money. He may. But that's not the point. The point is, is God gives all kinds of commands that will be good for your life and help you do well in life. And he says, if you're in those commands and trust me for them, I'm going to give you the power to succeed in those same things. That's the kind of thing. It's like a prudence, a sense of prudence. If you do this, you'll have wisdom. When you can say like Job, that I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food, then you'll have success in what God's telling you to do. So that the certainty of God's promises, right, and the centrality of God's precepts give us strength and courage. But there's one more thing I want you to see in this passage. And it's really another promise that answers the question, how in the world can I be strong and courageous with a weak and fearful heart like mine? And that's in the comfort of God's presence. Strength and courage come from the comfort of God's presence. So the way that God wrote that passage, all verse nine of those verses, he sandwiches all three of those be strong and courageous commands right within the reminder of a promise of his presence to be with him. Look at this. Verse five and then you'll have all the commands, and then verse 9 at the end, what does he say? Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. Verse 9, you get to the end of it. Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So when you stop to realize that God has promised his very presence to always be with you, you are not alone in the darkest place. He is with you. When you stop and remember that, how can you not be strong and courageous? Right? Unless you're forgetting these glorious truths, which is what we do because we're human. So that's why we need to be hearing these things. But I need to tell you, these, is, these are encouraging things, but these promises are not for everyone. And they may not be for everyone in this room. I mean, these are some super awesome things to hear. God's with you and you won't fail. On and on. But those aren't promises for you if you're not one of God's people. These are promises for someone who's turned from their sins and have turned to Jesus as their only hope. If, you're, if, you, if you would die and you have to stand before 
God the judge and say, why should I let you into heaven? If your, own, if your answer is, well, I went to church and I, I trusted Jesus and I did this. You see, Jesus is snuck in there. Your only hope isn't Jesus. You're putting your effort, your hopes, in stuff that you've done or haven't done. I wasn't so, such a bad person. Ain't enough. Because our, our, if all I did was just lie... That's enough to send me to hell. But if you stand before God the judge and you say, Jesus is my only hope because he died for me. His perfect life and death were for me. That's all I got. That's all I've got. Then these promises are for you. They are. Now, I'm not saying we don't doubt. I'm saying, though, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. So all who do receive him who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And for us, God has reiterated to us this glorious promise that we see right here on the screen from Joshua. He reiterated it in Hebrews 13. Keep your life free from the love of money. Like, wait, what? And be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a quote from Joshua. Saying that that promise to Joshua is also for you, you new covenant believers. You may not be an Israelite, but you're in Jesus. And that promise is for you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? So God calls us to be strong and courageous in the face of all of our fears, including how you're going to pay the next bill. Knowing that God's never going to leave you or reject you. That's what it means to forsake you. We've got this great commission that Christ gave us. When he left this earth, he said, make disciples. And I'm going to be with you to the end of the age, right? And that means we're going to go tell people about the glory of God that we see in the face of Jesus Christ. And we know there's great forces against us. We have felt it for the last, I don't know how, well, especially in the last few year, months, years, I don't know, it's just feeling awful and awful and awful, right? But those forces are nothing compared to the army of God. God's hosts are going to win, and Jesus Christ, when he comes back, is going to open his mouth, say one word, and it's all going to be done. That's awesome. That is awesome news. And until that time... We're told to go into the world. And what that means, the world starts with your home, dads and moms. It means in your neighborhood. It means in your community. It means in your workplace. It means on Facebook. It means telling others about Jesus Christ. And when you take hold of God's promises, you know that that's going to take strength and courage. And that strength and courage is going to come from his promises, his word, and his presence to be with us. We've got a task that's unfinished. And we have to go forth strong and courageous, clinging to these promises that he will bless us. He has already promised us the victory. He won't reject us. So let's go and be strong and courageous. Amen. Now would you close us in prayer?